Folks, it's really good to be with you here this morning, and it's really good for us to get together as a corporate and come here this morning and worship God. Bring Him all the glory, all the majesty that He deserves. And primarily that's why we're here. First and foremost, that's why we're here this morning, is to acknowledge that we serve a God um, who is extremely gracious to us, who extends his grace to us in everything that we do. As we're outworking our plan and purpose that God has set for us, we operate within that, within God's grace. We're going to be looking at that this morning. Relaxing, learning how to relax in the liberating grace of God. And the great thing about this is, 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 is that it's something we can learn, which means it's something we can be taught, right? And we need to get to grips with this, is, is that if we're serious with God and we're a child of His and we've accepted Him as Lord and Savior of our life, we understand that God has got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us here this morning. Whether you're a student at school, a worker in an office, a worker in a factory, wherever you are, God has a plan and a purpose for you and I, and he wants us to outwork that plan and purpose as he interacts with us moment by moment, minute by minute, and second by second of every day. He wants us to operate under his grace. There's a great acronym for the word grace, and it's on your notes there. It is um, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because for us to experience the grace of God, the grace that God wants to impart to us, it came at a price. It came at a price for God when he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for you and I to hang on that cross to defeat sin and to rise triumphantly again on the third day. And let's not forget that is as we serve a God who is alive, a God who has defeated death, he has defeated sin so that you and I can come into a new relationship with him. So we can learn to relax in God's grace. Psalm 116 verse 7 says this to us. It says, I said to myself, relax, because the Lord takes care of you. Now the relaxing that I'm going to be talking about this morning has an element of rest in it. Okay, so I don't want you to get out to some Caribbean island just yet with your umbrella, your chili bin and one of those uh, canvas deck chairs just yet. That is a part of God's grace to us because he gives us an opportunity to take rest and it's important for us to take a time of rest and relaxation but the relaxing that I'm talking about today is the confidence that you and I have of being able to achieve things for God to do great things for God to impact our world around us whether you're at school university or in an office or in a factory wherever you are God's plan for you and I is is that we make an impact right where we are. 
And the only way that we can make that impact, that positive, life-changing impact in the world that we're in, is by understanding that we do so and we operate and we do this, every action we do is a result of God's grace in our life. So the first point, we need to realize that no one is perfect. And I certainly don't feel anywhere near perfect this morning, I can tell you, but we realize that no one is actually perfect. We live in a world that just attracts our back pocket at every single moment. All the advertisements that we see tell us that uh, if we just go for one more medical procedure, we can look perfect. If we just dip into our banking account, we can buy the perfect car uh, or we can buy the perfect house. Or, how's this for you? You can have the perfect friend. Who's got a perfect friend around here? No one that ever lets you know. We do? <laughs> but there's this attraction uh, to us that, 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 that tells us from a world standard that we can experience perfection here on earth. The problem with all those things is, is that they seem to be perfect for a very short period of time. And then the allure dies off and we feel that vacuum again because we are looking for the next thing that needs to give us that level of perfection or you might be waiting for the perfect moment I've never had a perfect moment never I've had many good moments but I've never had a perfect moment and there's a saying that says is is that perfection um, is how does that saying going perfection is the limiter of good if we wait for that perfect moment, if we wait to interact with somebody perfect, we're never going to do anything. But it stops us, it often stops us from doing something good because we're waiting for that level of perfection. God's word tells us that it is his word that is perfect. Psalm 119 verse 96 says, even perfection has its limits. Anything that we believe is perfect on this earth has its limits. But your commands have no limits. And it's when we get into God's word and we begin to read God's word and we begin to submerse ourselves in God's word and apply God's word, we begin to see the real value of what God wants to do in your life and to do in my life. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, to bring praise to God. Here's a command from God that is telling us that we need to accept each other just as Christ accepted you and I. And when we get to this point of where we accept each other for the flaws, sometimes the messiness that's in each other's lives, the things possibly that someone has done wrong, maybe even a close friend of yours that's let you down, disappointed you. It's when we accept those natural flaws that we actually have with each other that we can actually begin to work in each other's lives and by doing that, we can actually bring praise to God. 
You see, God accepts you and I despite our messy lives, despite our impure motives, and some of those irritating attitudes that we actually have. But one of the ways we reflect God's love and bring him glory is to accept each other just as he accepted us. This means accepting our quirks and looking past our faults. So to make the positive changes in your life and to the health of your life, the Bible teaches that we should seek to support others. God never designed you and I to be an island and operate on our own. He designed us to be in community with each other. And he requires and encourages us to make a difference in community with each other. And this is why we always encourage you to uh, join a small group. Get involved in the ministry of this church in some way and in some form so that you can be connected and you can do life with other Christians around you. It's very difficult to make headway in life and to advance and particularly very difficult to outwork God's plan that he has for you and I if we don't get involved with each other and we don't support each other and we don't encourage each other. That's not what God actually wants for us. He wants us to accept each other just as Christ accepted you and I so that we can bring praise to him. The second point is is We need to understand that we need to accept God's, we need to accept and enjoy God's unconditional love. You know, when you became a follower, or if you've given your life to Jesus, and you have him as as your Lord and Savior in your life, you will understand very clearly that it's because of what God's grace has done for you and I is the reason why we're being saved. When your children are born into your family, they become a natural part of your family. They enjoy your unconditional love as a parent, as a mom and a dad. You display and you dispense huge amounts of unconditional love on your children every single day. Are they always deserving of it? Probably not. Sometimes they can be really irritating and have made you maybe made you angry at some point in time. But that doesn't change the fact that they are your children. And you love them unconditionally. You will do anything for your children. You will lay down your life in a moment's notice for your children. And this is our relationship that we have with God. God dispenses his unconditional love on us every single day. We don't come to the table bringing some attributes, some gifts and talents that God never had in the first place. God doesn't look at you and I and go, ooh, I'm really really pleased that you're part of the family now and that you're around the table because you have a gift and a talent that I just don't have and I just cannot fulfill. God never says that to us. He accepts us as we are and works, begins to work in our life for his plan and his purpose. A servant is accepted by a master because of the standard of work that he delivers on. You're acceptable in your work 
because of the standard and value that you bring inside your work. But inside your family, your children are accepted and receive the values and everything that you have in your family by virtue of the fact that they are your child. There's a big difference. They don't come to the the dining room table and you go, wow, I'm so glad, little Johnny, you're a part of our family. Uh, Little Sally over there, I'm not so sure about you. I'm not quite sure what your gifts and talents are. But Johnny, you've got a lot of good gifts and talents, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you on. You don't have those kind of conversations within your family. I mean, if you did, I'm sure your wife uh, or your spouse would be really on your case very, very, very quickly. John 3 verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And as God outworks his grace in our life, that's what he requires us to do. He requires us to rub off on people around us and point them to Jesus. That's what God's plan is for your life and for my life in every situation that you're actually in because the Bible tells us that God sent his son not into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So we have a very, very special place in God's heart as he dispenses his unconditional love to us. Thirdly, and this is a very difficult one for you and I, because I think at the heart of every single one of us, there's a bit of control freak in every one of us. Right? When things are out of control, we feel very uncomfortable. We don't know what's around the next corner or over the next hill. So we need to learn to let God handle things. If God is going to give us his grace and his unconditional love, we need to let go of the steering wheel of our life and let God place his hands on that steering wheel and drive the car. Because as long as we hold on to these things and the stuff that's in our life, believing that maybe God doesn't really have this under control, he doesn't really understand the situation, it's difficult for God to operate with us because he's not in control. We're still in control. For the fisherman that's here this morning, is this, you'll know this. When you bait up on the hook and you've got your sinkers in there and you've got the right amount of gut on the rod, the only way that you can release those, those sinkers and that bait into the open water is when you cast and you take your finger off the line. If you haven't unlocked that reel and taken your finger off the line, you can stand and get whiplash on the side of that boat all day long. The sinker will never drop in the water. Why? You have your finger on the line. You haven't let go. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to let go. Trust in him. Let go and let God handle the situation. 
The next verse in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 28. It comes up on the screen. Perfect. We can dine out on this verse for years. Here's an invitation from Jesus to you and me. So then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Last week I took a, uh, the, the week off and Michelle and I had an opportunity to travel uh, from Auckland down to Rotorua to go and spend a few days with Michelle's family in Rotorua. I love that journey from Auckland to Rotorua because you, as you're traveling through the Waikato and into the Bay of Plenty, you just see this greenery. I've never seen so many shades of green along these farmlands as we travel down. I'm always mesmerized uh, by it how we haven't had a, a, an accident yet, I'm not sure, by the grace of God, because I, I just fall in love with the different shades of green when I look at how the farmers have tended to their lands. And in amongst the cattle farming community, you'll find a farmer that has prepared his lands for, for, uh, to plant crop. And when you look at those lands and you see those straight lines as the plows have moved through the, the lands and those, those, those plow lines are equidistant from each other and they just look so straight and you, it always gives me the sense that the farmer has taken a huge amount of pride in preparing his land for this next crop. I think I've mentioned to you before, when I was a young fella, I spent a lot of time on my grandfather's farm. And in the very early days, my grandfather used to plow the fields with oxen and, and the plowshare. And he was a big guy, my grandfather. He had hands like him on of plowshares. And he was about six foot six in the shade. And um, he used to stand there behind the oxen and direct the oxen with the plowshares. And I remember the plowshares cutting into this, this ground and making these straight lines. But every now and again, I'd see the oxen stumble and fall. And he would stop the plow. And then he would get in front of the oxen. And I thought, oh, this is not a really good thing place to be. I mean, those horns look pretty, uh, pretty big. You wouldn't find me in amongst them. But as big a man as my grandfather was, he used to gently maneuver his body in between the front row of the, of the ox and get himself in there. And in the gentlest fashion of this guy, this big guy with his massive hands, he used to get a hold of this wooden harness and gently move it, gently move it around and go to the next ox and gently move that harness around and then you get those straps and he pulled them tight again. And when I asked him why he did this, my grandfather took the time to explain to me, he said to me, you know, Martin, these oxen are so important to me, so important to our farm. I cannot let these oxen get hurt by this wooden harness that is on their shoulders. This wooden harness needs to be centered and placed very carefully so these oxen can pull the plow correctly and do their job correctly. He said to me, did you notice how those ox slipped and fell? And he said, it's because of this wooden harness, which we know today as we call a yoke. That yoke has to be, per has to be 
positioned in the right place. And this is why Jesus uses this analogy. He says, come to me. The first thing I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you some rest. And then I'm going to take my yoke and I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to get in amongst the messiness of your life, the disorder of your life, and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to put my yoke on your shoulders because this is the yoke that I want you to carry, but I'm not going to just dump it on you. I'm going to put it there very carefully to make sure that it doesn't hurt you and to make sure that you can stand strong under that yoke. Because you will know, if you've been a Christian for a good number of years, you will know that by becoming a Christian, God doesn't remove you and I from the difficulties of life. He doesn't remove us from the messiness of our life. He certainly doesn't just change us overnight. The plan and purpose that God has for you and I is over time. But in order to be able to handle that messiness, handle those difficulties, handle that pain in your life, we can only do that successfully if we have God's yoke placed on our shoulders. That's the only way we can really bear the difficulties that you and I face. You can know that in a moment you can walk into a medical specialist's room, have a meeting with him, and at a moment's notice he can deliver a message to you about your health that will put you on your back. He can diagnose you with a disease that can change your life and my life forever in a moment's notice, just like this. You can sit in front of your bank manager and get delivered a message about your home, about your financial status that can put you on your back at a moment's notice. And you can find yourself in a huge amount of turmoil and pain and frustration because of that. Employment, we know how fickle employment can be just listening last week I mean I I was a bit shocked when I saw the news on the report about the foundry in Thames AG Price it's a company we've dealt with for years and I've been involved with that foundry through supply chain uh, aspects I know the history of AG Price it's one of New Zealand's oldest and most prominent and sometimes most specialized foundry 15 minutes before the close of business on a day, they called everybody in and said, guys, we've got to close the doors. We can no longer operate. And I remember the reporter interviewing that young guy that said, I've got a wife and I've got children and I have a mortgage to service. How am I going to do that now? And very often we are faced with this painful wall that suddenly rocks our world. Friends, I want to tell you this morning is is that the only way we can get through those painful experiences is if we have the yoke of Jesus on our shoulders. And everything that is attached to it, everything that is attached to that yoke, we're able to bear in His strength and in His grace. When we replace our worry with a greater trust in God, 
we take a major step forward in our life. Point four, act in faith and not fear. God has saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. Again, there's no other way for us experiencing God's grace and experiencing that relationship with Jesus other than by accepting him as Lord and Savior. That is the only way. That is the only plan that God has for you and I is by having that relationship with Jesus. And God is very specific. The Bible is very specific about that, is because if there was another way, it would give us an opportunity to boast in the good things that we can do. And this is not about us. This is about God, again, dispensing his grace and his unconditional love to you and I. And I'm showing my age here a little bit, but who remembers the television series called Columbo? It's good, is that on the local, uh, I've never seen it here in New Zealand, but in South Africa we had Columbo on there. You know, you remember him. He was the guy with the caramel colored uh, uh, trench coat, right? Uh, he had the tie that was sort of hanging skew. His hair was never combed. And he always used to walk around with this notepad and this pencil. And he looked like he was detached from the situation. He's tripping over the chair and the table of the murder scene, you know? And, and he'd make all these notes. But somehow by the end of the program, he always caught the bad guy, didn't he? Always. <laughs> I remember watching this one uh, program of Columbo and uh, Johnny Cash, the uh, country singer, he was uh, the bad guy in this one. And eventually towards the end of the program, Columbo catches him and Johnny Cash goes, I am so glad that I've finally been caught because the guilt that I have in my life is absolutely killing me, right? And sometimes we, we, we feel like this. We carry around this, this guilt on us and we're just hoping at some stage that somebody would find us guilty so we can get rid of this guilt that's in our life. And sometimes this prevents us from coming to God's redeeming grace because we think God is this guy with a big stick that's just going to bash the living daylights out of us if we ask him for help. And yet that's not the picture that the Bible presents of God. God accepts us unconditionally. He says, come to me. Come to me with that guilt. Come to me with that pain that you have. You know, we deal with all sorts of fears and worries in our life, but many of them resolve or evolve around uh, these five areas. We are fearful about being left alone, about being lonely. We're fearful and we worry about the future. We don't really know what the future holds for us. We're fearful and we're worried that's, that we will be hurt by something or someone in the future or that we won't have the strength to survive in the future. These are the, f these are the main things that we worry and be fearful about. You know that God has more than 7,000 promises in his Bible, each that deal with these things in multitudes of ways. If we will just open up our Bible and get to understand how God can take care of these worries and these fearful things in our life. You know that worry is optional misery, don't you? 
And there's many things that can impact our health and, uh, and, and our health and our financial situation. Many things in our lives that are just totally out of control for us. When you go through deep waters, Isaiah 43 tells us, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Are you feeling a little bit like that this morning? You feel like you're treading water and your head's going below that water line all the time and you're popping up? Or you feel like there's some heat on you in your life and you feel like that fire is consuming you? If we put our trust in God and in His Word, He promises us that when, not if, but when we go through deep waters, He will be with you. When you go through rivers, rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Like the Apostle Paul said, is, is there's been many times when I've been down, close to death, but realized that I'm actually not out. I'm down, but I'm not out because of that saving grace of God and God shouldering that yoke with you. You know, we are yoked to God in our relationship with Him, but we're also yoked to each other. Again, God's intention and His plan for you and I is, is that we're not separated from the world, but that we're a positive influence in the world. Can I encourage you to become yoked with the members of this church? If you're not in a, Bible, a midweek Bible study group, put that on your communication card and let's get you yoked in a small group. If you're not in any ministry activity of this church, be it with the small children, the young adults, uh, the worship ministry up here, um, the prayer ministry and support ministry, put that on your communication card. Let us know because we would like to yoke you with fellow believers so that you can do life together and learn from each other. Point five, exchange your perfectionism for God's peace and hope. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God, which, uh, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know, you can go for 40 days without uh, food. You can go for three days without water. And you can go roughly eight minutes without air. But you can't go a single second without hope. As soon as you lose hope, life is over. And because hope is in such short supply generally around the world today, people delve into all kinds of things to try and find the answer, be it um, out of uh, tarot reading cards, um, uh, uh, psychic hotlines, palm readings, astrology, fake healers, and quack cures. Inevitably, those false hopes disappoint. Nothing d disappoints worse than false hope. Our last verse for this morning. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. 
then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Get that, that sense of what God wants to do with you and I. He wants us to understand that he's our true and only source of hope. Which will fill you and I completely. Can you imagine you're this vessel that's been created by God? When God pours into your life, into my life, he fills us as a vessel. Every crack, every space that's in that vessel, he fills it up completely. Why? So that you and I can overflow into the community around us, into the overflow into people's lives that we're shouldering life with. We can make a difference if we will allow ourselves to operate and work and move in the liberating grace of God. What's it for you and I this morning? What are we going to do? How will you be mindful that no one is perfect and help you to let go of some of the troubles and grudges that are in your life? What are some other aspects of God's love that can help you to relax and be liberated by that knowledge that if you're in God's plan and you're moving forward according to God's purpose, that you and I can also relax in His grace? How can you and I respond today to God's offer of grace in your life? You sense that God is standing there and saying, come, come on. Those of you that are weak and weary, those of you that are experiencing pain this morning, come. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you rest. And the next thing is I'm going to take that yoke of burden and pain that's in your life and I'm going to take that off you and I'm going to replace it with my yoke that helps you work through and get on top of and get out of that mess that we're actually in but we need to understand that we do it with God's yoke on our shoulders not on our own God doesn't want you and I to be stumbling through life Let's get a hold of this grace that God wants to give to you and I unconditionally so that we can be bold and we can make a difference. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your unconditional love in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your grace that came at a huge cost for each and every one of us. And we ask now, Lord Jesus, that you would give us a fresh view and a fresh vision of the grace that you want to place on our lives, Lord. Lord, maybe there are those of us this morning that need to just say that they're sorry, Lord. They're sorry for being argumentative. They're sorry for pushing you away. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the condition of our mind and our heart would be that that we can bring this to you today, Lord, and just say that we're sorry. Maybe there's someone after the service that you and I need to go to and just say, hey, we're here for you. We understand the difficulty 
that you're going through at this moment in time. Let me lift that yoke. Let me become yoked with you and help you and pray for you through your situation. Lord, I just thank you for our time together, Lord, that we can mean business with you and we can get into your word, Lord. And I also just want to take this opportunity to pray for Pastor Ian and Kimberly as they're traveling in the U.S. And Lord, that they might, in the busyness of their life over this period in time as they prepare for Joshua's wedding, Lord, that you would help them to relax in your grace and that you would continue to shape that yoke in their life, Lord Jesus, so that they might stand strong and be able to move forward with all the activities that are in their life over this time. We pray for your blessing this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray for um, the work that you're doing in each and every one of our lives, Lord, and we just thank you for that privilege that we have of being called your children and working in your plan according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord. Amen.